What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Adult Rec League Podcast. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. And I'm Rick. What's going on, guys? Long time no see. Yeah, it has been a really long time, and we have a lot to a lot to recap, a lot to preview. I guess if you want to go ahead and get started, we'll start off with we have a new UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, I mean, what's well, you know, it's been a while, so we got to you know kind of go into this 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 recap. We're a little bit behind with you guys, so. Let's um, yeah I'll talk about the Engano and Stipe Miocic fight for the heavyweight title. I mean, the 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 whole talk going into the that fight was the improvement that's that Engano's made and the newfound kind of patience he's he's had. You know that that was kind of the the talking point was if Engano can be patient, stuff to take down, can he beat Stipe Miocic, who's the greatest heavyweight uh, UFC fighter of all time. And we got our answers. Uh, the, the fight shook out the way that a lot of people thought it was going to shake out as far as Ngannou was m- much more patient, much more methodical. Uh, the one big takedown attempt that Stipe was able to to throw at him, Ngannou just powered his way out of it. Um, and then he was kind of just walking Stipe down. And, uh, yep, we watched the fight, and I, th- I think you even said it. When, when Stipe went for that takedown and couldn't get it, I think that was like Stipe probably fought in his head like, yeah, there's no way I'm beating this guy now. Yeah, because if, if I you, can't get him to the ground, what can I do? If you look at the first fight, Ngano couldn't stop Stipe from taking him down. I mean, Stipe was falling into takedowns, you know, and then for him to really go at it, I mean, he really committed to that takedown attempt and was really trying to get Ngannou down. And he couldn't. And wasn't able to get him down. And Ngannou pretty much just powered him away. Um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much, that was, that really set the tone for the fight. And then, of course, Ngannou with a big, big knockout. We already knew if Ngannou touches you, you know, it's a, it, there's a big, pretty big chance that you're going down. The only person he really wasn't able to put down, Derek Lewis, Stipe Miocic, you know, he was in there for the distance with both of them. Um, so I think Ngano came in much more calm, obviously much more improved, and, and, and knocked out the, the heavyweight king. Yeah, and it's like I told you before the fight even happened. I said, you know, how, like, from the first fight to the second fight, Stipe had nothing to improve on other than possibly, you know, I'm sure you can always improve your cardio and things like that. But the first fight that they had, Stipe fought the perfect fight. You yeah, know, he took some shots, Yeah, but he was able to take the guy down, control the fight the entire, the entire fight. And Ngannou gassed himself out. Ngannou had everything to improve on. He had to improve his cardio. Like you said, his, um, his takedown defense and also his pace and his decision-making. Yeah, not to just go full on for for a knockout in the first round, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean when you have a big when you're a big guy like that, I mean you could be in sick shape, but if you come out throwing haymakers, you know you got about a you got about a probably half a round of that size, and you're going to be tired. And plus, Ngannou's so jacked. Like yeah. the more muscles you have, the more oxygen your body needs. And I think Ngannou too realizing that he doesn't even have to throw 100 percent into a shot to knock a heavyweight out. Oh, absolutely. He's just got that kind of power. So, you know, him kind of realizing that. And sometimes you got to hit somebody just to let them know that you can, not necessarily to take their head off all the time. So, I think the more that Ngannou kind of works on that part of his game and realizes that, you know, and keeps on that that wrestling and that grappling training, you know, I think Ngannou can be the, the champion for a very very long time. 
Stipe, you know, one of the talking points of the fight, especially after the weigh-ins, was the, the change in, in Ganu's physique. He weighed the exact same, but looked completely different between the first fight and last fight. And then on the other side of that coin, Stipe has leaned out tremendously uh, going into this first fight, which I personally thought before the fight was probably going to be a bad idea. You know, I got, I get it, him staying lean. He was trying to get in bit better shape, I guess, to stay on that bike and stay away from Nganu. But um, I think especially in those take the, the takedown uh, exchange where he was trying to get Nganu to the ground, not having that weight, I think played against Stipe. And now we're seeing it on the back end. You know, I sent you a, a picture of Stipe from social media, and now it looks like he's trying to put on some serious size before his next fight. Um, and he, he said something about coming in, weighing in at 250. Now, the real key to that, and we're seeing it with John Jones, is really taking that time off and making sure that that weight that you put on is correct weight and you're not just eating up to a weight because that's just probably going to decrease your performance. Absolutely. You know, he needs to put on lean muscle if that's the way that he wants to go. So, yeah. And that maybe that could play a factor into a third fight. Get your weight up, but keep your cardio. The thing about the heavyweight division, too, is, you know, you're not, you're never. When you're in that top five, top seven, you're never more than one or two fights away from fighting for the title. Yeah. You know, and especially a guy for Steve, like Stipe who has defended the championship more than any other UFC heavyweight in history. You know, he's, he's, he's a real impressive win. And uh, maybe Ngannou beating D- Derek Lewis again away from another title, another shot. title shot. A trilogy You know, fight. I know John Jones plays into that if John Jones and UFC can sort their money issues out. So... We'll see how it plays out, man. I mean, I, I, I think that Ngannou is going to be the champion for a long time. But uh, who knows if Stipe is able to take, take a year off maybe, put on some size, some good size. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe comes in with a much more wrestling approach and tries to take Ngannou to the ground if they have a third fight. You know, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how it shakes out, man. Yeah, you also got Cyril Gain. Yeah, um, he's, you make, know, he's rising up. Derek Lewis has been fighting fantastic. You know, uh, Volko- Alexander Volkov is fighting, fighting great. I don't know, you know, I don't know that he can contest with Ngano or you know. No, I, I mean he, he so. was beating Derek Lewis until Lewis pulled out that KO. So yeah. who knows, man? We'll see how this thing whole thing shakes out. But uh, so we just wanted to recap that a little bit. So let's talk about before we go into future state stuff. Let's talk about this past weekend's fights. We had three title fights. Um, as well as two great, uh, two great first fights. It's the wildest card I've ever seen in my life. Insane card, uh, probably the most insane card in recent memory. I mean, it's so it's just crazy how the first two fights played out, and then how the last three played out. I mean, let's just get right to it. The first fight, Jimmy Crute was fighting Anthony Smith, and the fir- the first round, Anthony Smith was just dominating. He was working that jab. He started to work the leg kicks, and then eventually he hits Jimmy Crute with a leg kick about a minute and a half, with about a minute and a half left in the round, and Jimmy Crute's leg just gives out. Yeah. He goes down. Anthony Smith tries to, tries to you know, uh, advance and take advantage of it, but it gets taken down, and basically that's how the rest of the first round was. It was, you know, mostly just Jimmy Crute, like, on top, trying to control him, trying to get – just trying to get out of the first round. And then going into the second round, when Jimmy Crute was walking back, like backpedaling to his corner, his leg just gave out on him twice. His ankle rolled twice. It was ha- terrible. And they had to stop the fight. <laughs> he definitely sprained his ankle or something. But it was bad. We just watched the replay, and you know it was just a normal leg kick. 
Unfortunately, the next fight we're going to talk about, it wasn't. Yeah. But it was just a normal leg kick, and the guy's leg just gave out. Yeah, and props to Kroot. Kroot wanted to keep fighting. But yeah. he, could, he couldn't even stand up out of the corner. No. He stand, stood up out of the corner, and his leg was just collapsing underneath him, and he was doing his best to hold up. And Absolutely. Who knows, man? Maybe Kroot could have hopped, hopped on one leg over there and tried to, and took Anthony Smith down again. Uh, and and maybe edged out around. I don't know, but you, you got to protect the fighters. You you, live to fight another day. Crew was yeah, severely hampered by that that injury. Yeah, you have to. And it's crazy because um, Crew actually outstruck him in that in that first round, thirty four to twenty seven. However, Anthony Smith had more significant strikes, twenty six to eighteen. But Jimmy Crew also did have three takedowns in that first round. Exactly. Like Jimmy Crew would take him down. Anthony Smith get back up. Boom, another takedown. Yeah, I mean, it was Smith couldn't stop him from taking him down. So that's the only reason I said, you know, maybe he could have. But, you know, it's so tough. If he could have stood a little bit, they might have let the fight go on. But, man, his leg was just – there was, like, no strength in it whatsoever. He was just – it was just rolling underneath him. Yeah, he couldn't – he couldn't walk. He couldn't walk, and you know you can't just have a one-legged man in an ass whooping contest no. out there against a guy who's fought for the light heavyweight title before. Absolutely not. And a, and a tough guy, and Anthony Smith. And so you know, unfortunate. And, Smith, and you know, Smith would have just kept attacking that leg. Of course, yeah, I mean, you're a fighter. You know what I mean. Your opponent yeah. has a weakness. You attack it. That's what these guys are trained to do. Exactly. Um, so and hopefully, know, maybe maybe they'll rematch it when they'll run it gets back. back. Yeah, they'll run it back at some point. I'm sure because the fight was competitive as far as striking versus wrestling uh, up until that point so maybe they run it back um you know leg injuries let's roll right into the second fight one of the worst injuries we've seen in the sport um and we've seen it a few times we've seen this injury unfortunately happen three times the last uh, time we saw the last time we saw this happen is literally like this guy was fighting yeah he was fighting anderson silva their their second fight silva threw a leg kick Complete fracture at the shin, um, leg wrapped around Weidman's leg, and now on the other side of this Weidman fighting Uriah Hall, throws that leg kick. Um, Uriah Hall is the only guy to ever win a fight without throwing a single strike. I mean, Uriah Hall hadn't even popped a jab out there yet. No, he didn't do anything. Weidman throws that kick. His leg completely wraps around Uriah Hall's leg. Complete fracture of his shin. Uh, what's it, the tibia? Yeah, um, fibula, tibia, and, tibia You know, Weidman posted some x-ray pictures on Instagram this weekend. It was rough. It was a clean break all the way through both bones. So tough, man. Tough to see somebody lose like that. Um, and especially, it's even tougher, too, because as much as Weidman talked about going on another title run, you know, he had said before the fight he had like three, four fights probably left in him. And this, man, this, at this stage in your career, tough, tough injury to come back from. Yeah, and he has said that he will come back and fight again. But, you know, you're 36 years old. You're not getting any younger. You're not getting any faster. If anything, you're just getting slower. And, you know, the the middleweight division is is stacked right now. I mean, yeah, yeah you're always you're you know, you were the former champion. You you knocked out Anderson Silva. You're always going to be in the mix. You know, you've beaten Kevin Kelvin Gastelum before. But it's it's just going to be tough for him to come back from an injury like and you know it's crazy because he's 36 years old but he's only had that was his 21st professional fight so it's not yeah, like he's, he's had a whole lot of fights no i mean you know he was in the ufc for a very young part of his career i mean he went on a nice run obviously outside of the ufc a run that saw him and uriah hall fight 
for the title of the promotion that they were fighting in. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so he was – I mean, I don't even know. Weidman had, what, six or seven professional fights, I think, before the UFC brought him in. So, you know, he's been in the UFC a while. Uh, man, it's just such a tough injury to come back from at that stage of your life. I mean, realistically, Weidman's probably 38, 39 years old before he gets back from this. I mean, that leg just don't heal up. After. I mean, how long was Anderson Silva out when he snapped, broke his leg? Let's see. He, that was one, UFC 168, and he came back at UFC, I believe it was UFC 183 or 184. So it was like a year and a half. So when he tough. fought Nick Diaz. Tough, man. Weidman will be back, like I said, 38 years old-ish. You know, I don't know yeah. when his birthday is, but he'll be back sometime around that age. Um, man, tough to see. Tough to see. You know, thoughts go out to Chris Weidman. He had a successful surgery. Hopefully a speedy recovery, and we see him back in there if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he, he was a dominant middleweight champion. You know, unfortunately lost to Luke Rockhold and Things just never really were the same with him, and unfortunately, I don't think things are going to be much different after he comes back from this. But you know, as long as he's okay, that's really the only thing that matters at this point. Yeah. But um, dude, speaking of dominant champions, let's go on to that third fight: Valentina Shevchenko, the great, in my opinion, the greatest women's fighter in history. I don't care that her record says she has two losses to Amanda Nunes. She beat her the second time they fought. I don't care. But this girl is without a doubt the best women's fighter in MMA history in terms of everything, all around. Technique, ground game, striking, cardio, everything about this girl. I'm, I've never said somebody is a flawless fighter, but she's probably the closest thing to a flawless fighter that I've ever seen. Man, her, her technique, her striking is just so crisp. And then when she's fighting a, chick, uh, you know, a girl like Andrade that – has that knockout power that you really don't if you don't have to stand up with her you know valentina looks like a judoku champion comes out she's throwing her all over the cage you know trips takedowns every five seconds gets her in a crucifix position rains those elbows down and i mean it's a, I, I agree with you she is the greatest woman's fighter pound for pound on the planet um you know she's the greatest woman's fighter of all time to me all respect to nunez but, you know, Valentina is beating – I mean, she just beat somebody who, who slam KO'd Rose Namiunas, was very competitive in the second fight with her um, where she had hurt her. You know, and then you look at – we'll get to that in a second. But you look at what Rose did in her title fight uh, this past Saturday and then how Andrade fought against her. You know, Andrade was the champion and it's just crazy, man. Valentina, I mean, pretty much just, just handled Andrade easily. 90 out of 97 strikes she landed. She, land, she, only, she only didn't connect seven, and this is unofficial, but 90 out of 97. 32 out of 39 significant strikes and a perfect seven for seven takedown. So I'm saying. She, does, she does it. There's no, there's no fat on her game. When she throws, she hits, she picks her shots, and she picks them well. Yeah, it's not like she's just throwing shots just to throw them. No, she's not like one of she those volume a, strikers that's just trying to tire you out. I mean, she throws, she hits. And, 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 and I think that she's one of them people that has a game plan and sticks to it. Exactly. Like she sticks to the game plan. Not it's very like, emotional. No, I, you know, not at all. She's a technician in there, man, and it's f- fantastic to watch Shevchenko fight. I, every, time, every time they book one of her fights – I get super excited about it, man. I love watching her compete. So, and you know, my thing is, is um, you know, me and you are huge wrestling fans, and Goldberg used to say say this, but I'm gonna say this for Valentina Shevchenko. Who's next at 125 pounds? 
I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I don't know who's next. I mean, like, who are you going to put with this girl that you can actually say, hey, this girl actually might have a chance to beat her? Yeah, I mean, it's if, if somebody beats Valentina, it's going to be a real, you know, all respect to him. It's going to be a real Matt Sarah GSP moment. You know what I mean? There's going to be – the world will be shocked. Because, I mean – I'm just looking at the rankings right now. She's beat the number one and number two girl. She beat the number four girl. Uh, I guess if I if I was them, I guess Cynthia Calvillo will probably fight Lauren Murphy next, and then that well, the winner of that will probably get a shot. Yeah. But I mean, just looking at this, just looking at this, uh, at this flyweight rankings, the only person that I could see possibly getting a title shot in the future is Macy Barber or that Miranda Maverick girl that we watched fight earlier this year. But those two are getting ready to fight. And yeah. they're down at the 14-15. So, I mean, it's going to be a while before one of them girls gets a shot. But honestly, I think eventually you would you, you have to do you have to do a Valentina Nunez bantamweight fight uh for the for the bantamweight title or something. I yeah, mean, cuz I mean, I know Nunez is getting ready to fight Juliana Peña. For the bantamweight title, and you know, I, I would assume she's probably going to end up. She's going to win that fight. If I had to put money on it, I would obviously bet on Nunes. That's that way, yeah. But I just don't know who's next for Valentina Shevchenko at flyweight. I just yeah, I mean, oh. it makes sense that those two are happy. You know, Valentina spoke on it. She feels like it's ineb- inevitable that her and Nunes fight again. Dana said he's not interested in putting it on unless both parties really want it. You know, Shevchenko definitely wants it. Nunes probably not so much. Um, I know Nunes has expressed disinterest in fighting Valentina. Um, Man, I don't blame her. You know, it was her most competitive fight. So, you know, I I don't know. You know, but man, Valentina's a, an animal. You know, she's she's. I don't know who she fights next, but whoever it is, they got their they got their work cut out for. Her. Yeah. Um, so let's yeah, man. It's Valentina's. Into, it's turning into the. It's it's almost the Khabib effect. Like who who's gonna beat this girl? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it, it's going to take a miracle or the perfect fight to beat her. Yeah, except for the only drawback is, you know, there's there's there was competi- competitors at 155 that were at least marketable. They were named household names. Yeah. Valentina doesn't have that luxury in her division. Most people probably couldn't name five, seven people in the division in the top yeah. ten. Yeah. So, you know, you you have that. So that sucks for Valentina. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna either through a tournament or something, they're going to figure out another contender for Valentina Shevchenko. And they're going to put her out there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Valentina again by the end of the year. And I can't wait for when we see her again. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, for, you know, following in women's divisions, we got another uh, women's title fight on the same card. Um, we had Rose Namahunas as the challenger coming in to fight uh, – Wiley Zhang, who was the defending champion. Um, Zhang On a 21 come, fight win streak. Oh, 21 fight win, win streak. Namuna is coming off of what, Victor, the victory over Andrade, right? Yeah. Uh, Zhang coming off of the win against. Um, Joanna. Double J. And uh, man, uh, Zhang was the betting favorite. So coming in, you know, I thought that there was a lot of, you know, it's, it's always tough. Dana's talking about having these big fights in China with. With Zhang and having her headline the card when we get out of COVID, having a full capacity crowd, it was really making plans to put that foothold into, you know, China, Asia with Zhang as the champion. And Rose comes in and says, "Not so fast." Absolutely, um, 
and the fight didn't last that long. It lasted about a minute and about 10 seconds. Yep. Rose Namajunas lands a beautiful left high kick right to the head, drops Zhang, takes about two shots to the ground, and it is a wrap. And Rose Namajunas, the first woman ever in, Uf- in, in UFC history to win a title, lose it, and then regain it. So congrats to Rose Namajunas on a phenomenal performance. She's one of the best ever to do this, especially when it comes to striking. You know, the way that she was moving in that fight was very impressive. We talk about champions. I mean, just – I didn't mean to cut you off right before before we move on. I mean, we talk about the first female to ever do this, but there's not a lot of champions across men's and women's divisions in UFC. Obviously, there's no female champions, but there's not a lot of guy champions that lost their belt and then regained it. Yeah. um, I mean, you can – John Jones did it, uh, but, you know – But not by a loss. Never really lost it. Uh, I mean, Randy Couture. I guess Daniel Cormier did it. Cormier, uh, Cormier, Randy Couture, uh, Stipe. Stipe did it. Uh, Not a lot, though. TJ Dillashaw did it. Uh, and unfortunately, he's, he just had to pull out from his fight because of an eye injury. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and nasty see him. Cut. Yeah, nasty cut. Um, you know, you could probably count on two hands how many people have lost the title and regained it. I mean, it's tough. Very tough to do. It's extremely tough to do. And for somebody, you know, for people to do that, is impressed. I mean, Auto did it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't beat the guy that beat him for it, but you know. Well, Grant, I mean, neither did Rose. You no, know, this no, is the first time she I mean, fought Zhang. I mean, but the she only didn't, she didn't beat the girl that beat her for the title. I mean, the only person that's I mean, is is Stipe the only guy that's ever regained the title from beating uh, and from beating the guy that beat him? That's a tough question. Because Dillashaw, Dillashaw didn't beat Dominic Cruz. Nope. I don't know. Randy Couture maybe. I don't know. Randy Couture never lost the heavyweight title to Tim Sylvia, and he regained it. I mean, he never lost. I mean, did, Chuck, did Chuck Liddell? Chuck Liddell beat him, but um, uh, did Chuck Liddell beat Randy? Beat Chuck for the belt, right? Or did Tito have the belt? Man, see, I'm thinking. Well, Tito Chuck- had a, Tito had the belt, and Chuck had the interim title. Ah, and and no, they didn't have the. He didn't have the interim title. Randy and him were fighting for the interim title. To see who would fight Tito. Got you. Yeah. Randy beat him. Randy, Randy beat, beat Tito. Tito. Like the then, very next month. And then Tito. That's then, when guys fought Chuck, a month later. And then Chuck knocked. Knocked out Couture. Knocked out Couture. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, so not even that. Yeah, I so mean, Steve, Stipe might Stipe? be the only one. Man, pretty impressive. I mean, you got to think just the mental block of getting back in there. George St. Pierre, did he lose the title to Matt Hughes and then get it back? Or no, he lost it to Matt Sarah and then yeah, got he it didn't, back. He, so... Matt Hughes beat GSP, and then GSP came back to beat Hughes, but Hughes never beat him back, though. And St. Pierre wasn't the champion the first time he lost to Hughes. It was Hughes was the champion. Well, see, but St. Pierre lost it to uh, Sarah, Sarah, and then he beat him again. Then he beat Sarah. So, I guess GSP. But, you know, there's not a lot of people that you can say that have done that. So, for no. her to be the only woman ever and probably one of the seven or eight fighters that have done it speaks a lot for her resume. Absolutely. She's probably the... I mean, you could argue she's the best fighter under 125 pounds ever. I mean, and, uh, and uh, you know, and Rose, too, I mean, a, a, knockout, a knockout win like that over a dominant champion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, J- yeah Zhang had that really, really tough, crazy fight with yeah, Double J. But, you know, up to that point and across her whole career, I mean, you just read Zhang's record. You know, Zhang's been a real dominant fighter. To see, you know, she Rose be able out, to get the finish that she way. She knocked out Andrade in like 30 seconds to yeah. win the title. So. Yeah, so 
super impressive win on Rose. The, the the legend of Thug Rose continues. Uh, you know, I thought thought Daniel Cormier was going to run through the cage with his Thug Rose commentary. But first, man, it was first time Zhang's ever been knocked out, and um, we'll say it'd be interesting to see how she bounces back. She didn't handle the loss very well. No, she did not. She she definitely did not want to accept the fact that she was knocked out. But you could because uh, you know her and she was like no 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 at the ref, but she couldn't she couldn't stand properly. No, she couldn't even walk she straight. Was she was wobbling all over the cage. So she was definitely out. But the ref did a great oh, job. Great stoppage by Keith Peterson. But speaking of first time getting knocked out, let's talk about the main event. Yeah, man. Jorge Masvidal gets slept by Kamara Usman. I mean, dude, we we can't call him Snoozman anymore. We can't call him. <laughs> we can't call him Mister Footstomp. I mean, this dude is. This dude has. In his in three of his last four fights, he's had TKOs or knockouts. So we can't really say that this guy is not able to finish people anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it, it's really different. The last two fights, you know, the fight against Colby Covington, it was really a volume. Yeah, knockout. You know what I mean. He TKO'd him, but they were exchanging shots for and a very tired. long time. And you know, when you get that tired, like he he wouldn't have knocked him out with that punch that he that he hit hit him with in the first round. You know, no. like in the fifth round after a war like that, you're gonna yeah. He 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 stunned Colby and then was able to 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 get the fight stopped. But these last two, I mean, he came out really aggressively, stood there and outstruck Burns after he got rocked. So you talk about they uh. Yeah, you know, you talk about that bounce back. You know, Usman almost gets put away by Burns quickly in that fight, and then bounces back and completely outclasses him on the feet. Yeah. And then obviously, then you have this this fight, which is really a clash of two styles. You know, I was talking before with you about how Usman wrestles the strikers and strikes with the wrestlers. We've seen it happen with Burns. You know, he struck with Colby Covington. You know, but now there wasn't one takedown in that Colby. And then, fight. That, then you look at the first fight. Usman pushed Masvidal against the cage and held him there. That was the story of the fight. Yeah. The foot stomps. Everybody, you know. Yeah. He was able to just neutralize him. This fight, they come out, strike in the first round, and man, Usman does eventually get him to the ground. Yeah, and holds him there for probably about a minute, minute and a half. Yeah, but then, then Usman with the perfect. Perfect strike. Perfect overhand right. Overhand right. Masvidal was trying to throw a left check hook, but wasn't anywhere close to timing. Uh, Usman just blasted right through his face. And Masvidal told Ariel Hawani he thought it was a takedown. Yeah. He thought he was fainting and going for a takedown. That's what he thought. And he said he was ready to wrestle for 25 minutes in his post fight, which probably wouldn't have been very good for him, but you know what it is. No, you weren't going to out-wrestle. And you know, Masvidal actually outstruck him. Uh, in the fight, in it the was first, yeah. it, it was fifty six to thirty two and thirty one to twenty one in significant strikes. But Kamara had two takedowns, and of course he had the knockdown, which was which was the demise of Jorge Masvidal. It was I mean, it knocked out. It was knocked out. Yeah, yeah, it was knocked out. It wasn't a knockdown. Yeah. It was knocked out. But um, I guess what's next for Kamara Usman is a rematch against Colby. Uh, that that's really the only guy that ha- that that can give him a serious run. Yeah, that's been Wilton real Wade. competitive with him. I mean, I will say, uh, you know, a lot of. People are going to think I'm crazy for this, but, you know, we all know Styles make fights. And I do believe that I think Leon Edwards and Kamara will, will eventually run it back, too. Like, if, especially if Leon beats Nate in the in, in next month, yeah. this coming month. Yeah. If Leon beats Nate, which, you know, if when we say Styles make fights, um, Nate 
is definitely Leon Edwards is definitely not a very good matchup for a guy like Nate who doesn't like to wrestle, who just likes to stand and trade. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is, I will say Cormier is right. Didn't mean to cut you off. I will say I don't know if you heard what Cormier said this week about Leon. He said, "Well, if if Nate Diaz were able to beat Leon Edwards, Nate jumps the line." Oh, uh, for Kamaru? Yeah, yeah, Cormier, yeah. Cormier, Cormier thinks that if Nate Diaz were to beat Leon Edwards, Usman doesn't fight Covington next. He fights Nate. He fights Nate for the title because obviously we all know what the deal is. That's a money fight. That's oh, a money fight, yeah. You know, Nate's probably the number two, number three draw in the, the whole company. Well, you know. I don't know. Behind Since Khabib's left, it's probably Connor and him. Connor, him, and Masvidal. Masvidal. And you I, know. I will say Usman's probably going to become a big draw now. You hope so. You know, I would but hope. He's, you just got, you know, that thing I think Ngannou will become a draw. Three, all three of those guys have that volume, that, that viral moment. You know what I mean? The two-piece of the soda with the knee. That's Mas, you know, Masvidal's thing. Masvidal. People that, people that didn't even watch the sport saw him knock out Askren. And when they said, hey, were those strikes at the end necessary? And he was like, oh, they were super oh, necessary. Oh, super necessary. That whole, that whole thing was just a marketable ploy. And it's, Nate Diaz and it, with the picture of him flexing with the blood all over his face. And I'm not surprised, motherfucker. And it Nate really Diaz. pissed me off. I'm sorry to cut you off. But no, it really good. pisses me off that people didn't really know who Masvidal was before that knockout of Askren. People didn't know who Nate Diaz people was. Didn't, I was working a lot of at people the, didn't know who Nate Diaz was. I was working at the bar... I was working at the bar at the time, and after the first Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz fight, when Nate obviously finished him, I had one of the bar patrons go, man, I can't believe McGregor lost to this, this guy. Who's this guy? This nobody. Like, Nate Diaz hasn't and been I'm, in the And, you know, me, I'm, like, I'm a diehard fan. I'm like, who, who is this guy? What the fuck are you talking about? It's like one of the baddest motherfuckers in the game. It's one of the toughest motherfuckers in, but, the, in, in the sport. So many casual fans and people that didn't watch the sport who – Obviously, Conor McGregor, the biggest draw in the sports history, you know, they saw him losing to this guy, which brought a whole new audience to Nate Diaz. And Nate's always been a marketable fighter. Him and his brother are just yeah. different. You know what I mean? They're yeah. just, they don't do interviews like that. You know, they're, they're short. They're, they're sometimes in their interviews, they're talking about fucking God knows what. And you don't even know. Yeah. You're like, Nate, what are you talking about? Like, you know what, what I mean? What like, are you talking about? So. We're talking about a fight here, and you're talking about weed and rap and stuff like that. But, you know, that, you that, that went over Connor. It changed Nate's whole career. Oh, it did? Now Nate's the draw. You know what I mean? He, he I mean, comes it, back it, and it, gets it, a fight. Don't get me wrong. Nate, Nate's been a great fighter his whole career. His whole career. that right there just propelled him. Beat a lot of tough fighters, you yeah. know, before he the He was Connor in a title fight. fight. He was in a title fight before. He was yeah. Ben Henderson. Yeah, he got beat, but still. Got beat, but, man, was, in, was headlined that card with Fox. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... It's yeah, it's just crazy. But th- that's got to be one, two, and three right there for, oh, yeah. for marketable. I mean, obviously Connors, we know what the deal is. Connor's Connor's number one, and it's not even close. Not even close. You know, every time Connor comes out, he, he's doing a million buys. He could fight. He fighting. could fight a broomstick, and he'd probably you know, he's, get a million pay per view buys. He's probably heading towards two million for this. Probably this, second, this third fight with probably you know Dustin Poirier just because it's one one. People want to see Connor bounce back. You know, so that's you know, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but. Man, I yeah, I, I, I me personally, I want to see Covington Usman run it back. Uh, I think that Usman has improved big time in his striking, so I think that this, you know, if Covington doesn't really bring it in, you know, it could be a worse version of what the first fight was. We'll see. It's, if it, it does, definitely looks and seems like Usman's got more pop on his punches now. Yeah, I mean he. He put Burns down like four times with a jab. With a jab. So, you know, his work with Trevor Whitman, 
has yeah. obviously improved him exponentially. Oh yeah, he's got so, some of the he's got one of the best camps in the world. We'll be uh, you know we'll see you know Covington in Covington's last fight against Woodley. He looked like Covington. You know what I mean? It wasn't a I don't I don't feel like it was a better version of Covington. It was Covington me and Covington. You know he yeah. smothered Woodley and then yeah. was able to you know he took him down and then obviously. Woodley had that terrible rib injury, but and I will say this: even though he just signed a fight to fight Gilbert Burns, keep your eye out for Stephen Thompson too, Wonder Boy, because like I said, that would be one of those fights where Camaro just pushes him up against the cage. Mm-hmm. But if he could stay in the middle of the octagon, that would be a tough fight for Kamara Usman. Because, you know, just because of Wonder Boy's striking. It's ability. so funny that you say that, man, because it's really you look at this whole thing and you're like. Wonder Boy is the toughest matchup for a lot of the people in the top ten yeah. of the division. Like him and Masvidal would. I mean, they he fought. Beat, they he, beat, he Masvidal. beat Masvidal because he has a very like if Wonder tough Boy style fought of fight Leon, against. If Wonder Boy fought Leon, that would be a great style striking match. Yeah, I feel like if Wonder Boy could keep it in the middle of the octagon and stay away from the fence, could make it interesting. I think he could make it interesting with Kamaru just because of his striking ability. The dude might be the best striker in the sport. Yeah, pure striker. I mean, the way he throws his kicks, there you won't find any fighter like him. His 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 side kicks, especially. He's I mean, so he's got such a perfect technique. I mean, there's no there's no tell to those kicks. No, that hip snaps up to his side, and he throws that that side kick. You know, better than anybody in the sport, probably in the sport's history. I mean, you've never seen a fighter like Wonderboy, and. He's the nicest guy, so you know he yeah. doesn't talk trash, so he doesn't get some of that play, some of that viral play, and some of that burn that some of these other guys get, man. But he really is. If you sit back and look at the top ten of the welterweight division, Wonder Boy is the toughest matchup for a lot of the guys, and maybe even Usman. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Wonder Boy's been caught a lot. Tyron got, Woodley dropped him a couple times. And, yeah, he you know, got caught by Pettis, Anthony Pettis. Knocked him out, which was kind of like a you know I I still think Wonder Boy wins that fight nine times out of ten. Yeah, but, but you, know, you know he I mean, caught him with a good shot. You can't yeah, you know you can't take that be, away from Pettis, but yeah, but just keep your eye on Wonder Boy. But um, you know before we wrap things up, I guess we need to talk about it. The trilogy fight coming up in July, Connor, Dustin three. Man, we got well before even before that. I mean. The, these next few months, man. The lightweight so we, titles on the line. I can't freaking wait for this card. Um, you got Michael Chandler, Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira for the vacant lightweight title. It finally feels like we're gonna, we're gonna have some clarity on the direction of the lightweight division. Khabib's shadow no longer looms over the lightweight division. He officially announced his retirement. Um, with well, Dana officially announced his retirement. Khabib officially announced his retirement way before that. Yeah, when, um, he beat, when he beat Gaethje. A lot of fan frustration about, you know, hey, he says he's retired. Let's move on. Some people, a lot of people think that we've already should have had a, a vacant title fight. Everybody yeah. thought Connor and Poirier should have been for the vacant title. Poirier should be the champion. I tend to agree with that. Either way, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, you know, both coming off of fantastic wins are going to be fighting for this vacant belt. I mean, what do you think, man? What, you got a prediction for this one? Michael Chandler. You think Michael Chandler wins Michael by Chandler. knockout? I think he finishes Charles Oliveira. Oliveira definitely, um, he's been on a run, man. He's on like a nine-fight win streak. He just destroyed Tony Ferguson yeah. in his last fight. And we all, dude, a couple years ago, we all thought Tony Ferguson could have beat Khabib. Yeah. And now, and now Tony Ferguson's getting ready to fight on this card. Against Benil Dariush. I mean, don't get me wrong. Benil Dariush is a good fighter. But three years ago, Tony Ferguson was fighting in main events and winning interim titles. And now he's fighting Benil Dariush. I mean, it's kind of crazy how 
it's kind of shot down. And, I mean, this is going to be a real make-or-break fight for Tony Ferguson. I mean, he got his ass kicked by Justin Gaethje for four rounds, then got stopped. Yeah, with tough him. fight. Got his ass kicked by Charles Oliveira. I mean, dude, like, and, and Ferguson's like 39 years old. He's like 38, 39 years old. Yeah, I mean, and the thing that, the thing that I thought before – it was really the reason. I'm it was sorry. really the reason that I haven't been so high on that Khabib and Ferguson fight. Was we saw Ferguson get hurt in some of his wins. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Kevin Lee hurt him. So I didn't think that he was like this indestructible guy that was going to be able to beat Khabib. Yeah, I thought Khabib yeah. was going to take him down and, pound, his and face. pound him like he did everybody else. Smash now him. in retrospect, looks like it was even my prediction would have been even more correct because yeah. obviously Khabib retired undefeated. Now we're seeing Ferguson take some losses here. Um, some not so great losses. I mean, some dominating losses. So, but man, Oliveira couldn't be couldn't be any hotter. And then and then Chandler comes in. You know, I was super impressed with Chan the way Chandler debuted. He was calm. He was smiling. And then his game plan coming into the that fight with Hooker was fantastic. I, he started working the body, which I I called it right before he threw the first body shot. You know, when I was like, all right, he's gonna go downstairs. He's gonna keep going downstairs. He's gonna go upstairs. And he did it to perfection, man. Faint with the right, over the top, jump left hook, puts Hooker down, pound, oh. you know, pounds and pounds him out after that. Then cuts a scathing promo. You know, Chandler did all everything right in that fight. Oh yeah, you know, and he's perfect. He, Chandler knows, especially if Connor's able to beat Poirier. Chandler knows what this fight really means. Yes. The winner of this fight is going to be fighting Connor next if Connor could beat Poirier. Yeah. Or they're going to fight Poirier. Yeah. You know, and if, and if Poirier's becoming a draw. Yeah, of course. And if he beats Connor twice, he's going to be an even bigger draw. Yeah. You know? So it's, it, they know what's really at stake. That what's really at stake is even more than the title. It's the money that's going to come with the next fight after you win the title. Yep. Which is crazy. But that's what happens. It's red panty night. And, um, so. And, you know, honestly. <sighs> I hate to say this because, you know, me and you are just true fans of the sport and we, we respect all aspects of the sport. And Charles Oliveira is just an all-around great fighter. Fantastic so is Michael Chandler. But it, I think people can – I think we can agree that we would probably rather see Michael Chandler and Connor as opposed to Charles Oliveira and Connor. Yeah, of But, course. you know, but, but if Charles Oliveira does win – it's not like it's going to be a – I wouldn't be surprised. I mean – If Oliveira wins, I mean, Oliveira fighter. is a super tough matchup for either Anybody. Poirier or, or Connor. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait for that card. I can't the, wait for that fight. The first ever five-round co-main event say. that's not a title fight, Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards. Nate, Nate's finally back. You know, we had a lot of back and forth about who he was going to fight next. Nate said that he had told the UFC who he wanted to fight. You know what I mean? So he kind of laid that out there. He did lay out that Oliveira was one of the guys he wanted to fight because he was a real motherfucker that has been fighting, that's been putting yeah. Oliveira. Dude's, dude's on a nine-fight win streak. He said Oliveira. Um, I don't know that he mentioned Leon Edwards, which I think caught me by surprise. I thought that they might work out a Nate Oliveira fight. I can't remember who else he named. Obviously, I mean, I think he said Poirier. So, yeah, he said he Dustin said Poirier, Poirier. Um, which, which they were supposed to fight. We're supposed to fight. So now you got yeah, you got Leon Edwards. You know, kind of out of left field, but man, I love it. Leon, who too. we've been, you know, fans have been clamoring. Leon's been clamoring. Give this man a fight. You know, he finally gets a fight. He had it. He was supposed to fight Kamzat Chimaev. That fight fell apart. Obviously, Chimaev dealing with COVID. Um, and some of the long-term effects from that. 
Leon gets in there. Um, yeah. What was that, three, four months ago? Yeah, he gets in there with Bilal Muhammad a couple months ago in tough March 13th. End, tough end to a fight. Eye poke. You know, eye poke. You hate to see it happen, especially when we waited so long to it's watch Leon Edwards one of the Edwards worst eye again. pokes ever. So, yeah, Leon Edwards obviously gets the, gets the, the, the money grab fight here. I mean, you know, co-main event with Nate Diaz, first five-round co-main event, which I think plays a big part in the way that this fight could which go out. Which is a title fight. Yeah. Not a title fight. We know that Nate Diaz... Um, we know Nate Diaz can go, so this this that's a real good yeah you know good thing for Nate Diaz. But Leon, man, if Leon could win this fight, opens up a lot of doors. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about wanting to see Leon and Masvidal fight. Obviously, yeah, you know we we remember what happened backstage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and th- this 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 card is just stacked. I mean, Tony Ferguson's fighting, Caitlin Chukagian, who just fought for the flyweight titles, fighting. Yeah, Edson Barbosa is the opening fight. So I mean. Just a, a, a stacked card. Jacare Souza and Jacare Souza's on the uh, prelims. Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian's on the prelims. Um, and Tony, Antonina Shevchenko's on the prelims. I mean, it's just a stacked card yeah, on sold, May 15th. Sold out. In the Toyota Center. Houston. Houston, Texas. Sold out. Sold out, sold out arena. It's going to be, what, our, num- our second sold out arena back? Yep. The, there's no, are, they're not doing any fight nights in between now and then that are sold, sold out at arenas, are they? No, no. The, uh, the Dillashaw and uh, Sandhagen was supposed to be in the Apex. Okay. And the fight this weekend is in the Apex. Dominic Reyes is Reyes, fighting yep. in the main event. And, uh, yeah, Dillashaw and Sandhagen was going to be in the Apex. And from UFC 262 to 263, I don't know where they're going to have 263 at. That's Adesanya and Marvin Vittori, their fight. And, That's uh, got to be, I mean, probably in Vegas. Davis and Figueredo's defending his title, too. Unless they go back, so, well, there is still international travel though that you have to take peace in. So that that might that might the uh, Adesanya fight might happen on Fight Island. It could. It Who could. knows? Damian Maya's fighting on that card. Drew Dober's fighting on that card. Yeah. Damian Maya's actually fighting Bilal Muhammad. Who's, yeah. Who just yep. fought? That should be a great fight. Edwards. But dude, we got about we got about eight minutes, nine minutes left before we got to head out of here. So let's talk about it. Conor McGregor, Dustin Conor Poirier. Poirier. Conor Poirier, three, officially in announced. In Las Vegas. In Vegas, sold out. T-Mobile Arena, if I'm not mistaken. T-Mobile Arena, T- it is sold out. Sold out, which I know the UFC is happy about. They got to, they get to get that gate, that, that nice gate. The with, co-main event's been announced, too. Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson, that's a great fight. You know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. You know, great fight. Could be a big, you know, a big uh Picture painted with where the welterweight division, you know, goes from there with the, with the winner of that fight. You know, you could see some rematches he- happen here and there. So, you know, man, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting. It's always exciting when Conor McGregor steps back in. You know, obviously the news broke this week that Conor McGregor sold his portion of the whiskey majority share for six hundred million dollars. Really, really, um, you know, we thought we've, we've all been joking that Conor's got that whiskey money. But we didn't think he had that whiskey money. He's got money. that whiskey money. He's got that stupid whiskey money now. I mean, from just that sale. I mean, he's made $700 million, $700 million off of two things. The fight with Mayweather and then this, sell, this whiskey sold. You know, he's got other products that he's got out that he's making money off of. He's got endorsements. You know, he, if, he, if he fights once a year and his endorsements he's probably making somewhere in the 50 to 60 million dollar a year range mark just from those things yeah um and now this this whiskey sale he's still on as a stakeholder and the face of the business which they're going to pay him for i'm sure yeah. to keep doing the commercials and all the advertising and shit 
Man, I mean, the guy's set for life. His family is set for life. He doesn't need to fight anymore. Brings us to this third fight. Coming off of your only TKO knockout loss of your career. Coming off fresh off a sale of a $600 million business. You know, portion of the business, I should say, because he wasn't a majority, you know. But um, what's, what's left? I mean, does, does Connor have what is needed left to come back and really bounce back and take out a dog like Dustin Poirier in this third fight? I think Connor beats him. You think Connor wins? I think Connor wins. By KO? Yeah. I think Connor stops him. So and you think he why, pops him with that left hand and, and the reason, puts him out? And the reason why is because we've seen Connor fight guys after a loss. When he when he fought Nate Diaz the second time, he was much he was more prepared. He was more prepared. And yeah, I think he'll be prepared. I think he'll be more prepared for this third fight against Poirier. I, now, granted, don't get me wrong. I I don't think he's going to be able to stop all of them calf kicks. He ain't going to be able to stop all of them. Yeah, the the, the key. You, we talked about this before. And we've we've seen some training footage, well, at least you know what he's putting out there from Connor after the fight that has supported what I said. If you look at the first fight, Connor was real light on his feet in the more of karate style. Yeah, you know he has to get back to that. That is the only way bouncing in and out, back and forth, side. To side. That's the only way you're getting rid of getting away from that calf kick, and you know it's coming. The calf kick is coming. You know what I mean? We've seen him do some little training things where he's throwing strikes and. You know, bringing um, you know, bringing his shin up. We've seen him do some do some videos like that. So you know, he you know it's coming. Poirier had such success with it. Why would it change? Uh, another thing to not ignore though is the takedown. Yeah, they met. They were meeting in the middle, and Connor didn't see the Poirier takedown coming, and he hit him with it. You know, Poirier's more of a well-rounded fighter than him. Sure, but, sure. But I just think the the left the Connor Connor's power. Is going to be the difference in this next fight. And I, I sent you a video the Don't other day. Connor's Poirier's got power too. Connor's doing like some kind of marathon training. Yeah, you know where he's biking and running, kind of like we Nate, we know the Diaz brothers do. You know, and obviously we were able to see how Nate's gas tank and Connor's. You know what happened in that first fight, and we've so maybe I mean they said he was in sick shape for that fight. You know, didn't but, have to use the stool after the first round. You know, and that, it was it was definitely an interesting fight. Uh, everybody wants to see this third fight. Poirier is a completely different fighter. Can Connor muster up what needs to be mustered? Can he get that dog in him? You know, maybe he needed something like what happened with the whole Twitter exchange with the with the charity. You know, obviously the news broke this week as well that Connor donated five hundred thousand dollars to the Boys and Girls Club of Louisiana, um, which is a charity that works with. Dustin, Dustin Poirier's charity. So yeah. he's able to make the impact like he said he was going to do in Louisiana, which Poirier was happy about. He didn't go through Poirier's foundation. Obviously, we've seen that whole thing play out on Twitter. So can that can that bring that bad guy, you know, that mean Connor out? You know, it was definitely a little – it's definitely been weird these last two fights seeing Connor be so nice and humble. Um, it would be kind of nice to see Connor come back shit-talking Connor McGregor that we all found love with that brought him to the top of this game. I don't know. Uh, the only thing is, is I don't know if it's going to work on Poirier this time. Poirier's just ever since the first fight when when Connor really did get into his head. I don't think you know after you have a fight like that, it changes you. And Poirier even said it. It was like he was like the first fight with Connor changed me tremendously, yeah. and it has because ever since that fight, 
Poirier's been one of the best fighters in the UFC. Shooting up. That was what? That was probably what? Eight years ago? Seven years ago? Something yeah, was, like, like eight, nine years ago? Yeah, it was definitely a while ago. In that eight, nine year stretch, he's probably been one of the top UFC fighters. Yeah, definitely. Now, I will say, the, the, and this is what poses the question what happens if Conor McGregor loses? I mean, obviously, he doesn't lose his drawing power. But, well, I mean, what do you do? I mean, it's got the drawing power has to start chipping away at some point, though. Nobody wants to watch a, a non-winner. A I'm loser, just saying, like, you know? what do you do though? What is he? What what happens? I mean, you try. I mean, that the thing that is good about Connor is Connor's always got that third fight with Nate Diaz in the back pocket. Yeah, you know, he's realistically he's always got a fight with Jorge Masvidal in the back pocket just because of the two drawing power and relatively close in weight. You know, he had an exchange back and forth with Kamaru Usman on Twitter this past week, so he's yeah. you know and and wins at one seventy, so. You know, he's still got options. There's options out there for him to draw him. And he's talked about boxing Manny Pacquiao. Probably giant money grab for him. Terrible mistake professional-wise. I don't think that there's a chance in hell he beats him. Oh, awful. Um, But, you know, there's stuff out there for him. There's stuff out there for him. You know, you could see him doing some charity, like some, you know, some of these exhibitions. I mean, you're seeing so many of these boxing guys do these fucking crazy exhibitions. You could see something. I'd love to see him just go ahead and just... Wipe the floor with Jake Paul real quick. Him work something out like that. I mean, I don't know. You know, who knows? The money talks. He he says he has no interest in even talking about Jake Paul. You know, I don't know. He's 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 already made a ton of money. He's always yeah. going to have options to make money. But um, and you know, he's always going to draw. But it is very tough and very murky to see where Connor goes from here if he loses. Um, especially if he gets knocked out again. If he gets TKO'd, knocked out again, definitely. I mean, it was meme central when he got beat by. Poirier just because of the way he looked when he was laid out and shit like that. So people made memes like crazy about it. Um, so, but you think Connors wins by knockout? What round do you think he wins? I'd probably say either three, two or three, two or three, two or three. Man, I you know I, I'm a huge fan of Conor McGregor. I I don't see him beating Poirier. Um, you know it's tough to say. I don't think, get me wrong. If he loses, it's not like I'm going to be shocked. You know I think that if, when they were at, if when they were at 145. McGregor hit him with shots in their second fight. I think that would have put Poirier away at 145. Yeah. You know, these guys can take bigger shots at 155 carrying the heavier weight, you know, and Poirier is a big guy. If you look at him physique wise at 145 and how he looks now, you know, he looks like he's twice the size, even though he's fighting at 10 pounds heavier weight. You know, this is definitely a better weight for Poirier. I think he's got better endurance, better conditioning at 155. Man, I just don't know. I don't. And it's like it's like we said with the whole like John Jones is perfect for for U for the UFC. Connor was perfect for one forty five because he was the biggest guy in the weight class and he was the hardest hitter. Yeah, that's why he just ran through everybody. Like like at one fifty five, it's not. It's, it's a little hard. It's, it's harder. harder. It's harder, and, and especially at one seventy. Like even though I think one seventy might be his best weight. There's no way he's beating Kamaru Usman at 170 pounds. There's no way. I think I think if he loses this next fight, his next fight has to be with Masvidal. It has to be. Or yeah. Nate. It's yeah. either Masvidal or Nate. Yeah, I think that I would probably agree with that. But, you know, I think the one of the biggest factors coming into that, maybe it is, you know, maybe it is Masvidal since Masvidal suffered a KO loss. You yeah. know, it's real big that Connor doesn't lose this fight by KO. Even though Masvidal you know? said he wanted to fight 
before this year's over with. So he says, yeah, he says he wants to fight again. Seven we'll see how this whole thing pans out, man. I, I don't know. It's going to be an, ex- I'm going to be tuned in, obviously. Oh yeah. It's going to be an excellent fight, man. I can't wait for it, but yeah, uh, yeah man. UFC 262. You got anything else? Yeah, man. UFC 262 goes down May 15th uh, from the Toyota center. 263. We haven't really got a date and 264 July 10th. What's that? International fight week. Yeah. Goes down T-Mobile arena. Connor and Dustin three. Do it to it, man. Yep, got a nice good few months of fights coming up and should be should be exciting. Yes, sir, man. All right, guys. Till next time, I'm your co-host, Rick. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. Enjoy all the fights. Enjoy your summer. Peace.